All right, Hobbs. You got the best crew in the world standing right in front of you. Give them a reason to stay. So now we got cars flying in the air on some 007 type shit? This is not what we do. Man, you really got to check that emotion. Your voice just went from Shaggy to Scooby-Doo. This is not what we do. I don't know. Another burp for the road. Okay. <clears throat> All right, there we go. Last one. Speaking of the road, we are continuing our road okay. to Fast 9 here on Midweek Matinee by picking up where we left off from Fast 5 with Fast and Furious 6. Naming conventions be damned. I am joined this <laughs> week by Chris. <laughs> Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Brett? I am as okay as I can be. How are you? <laughs> you know, I had an interesting day. I got lost in the woods today in the town I've lived in for 30 years. Those are actually kind it's of fun sick. days. They are interesting, but they're fun. It, it was fun. It just wasn't my intention. I went out and I was just driving around. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out. I'm going to take a walk through this town area, right? And they have these colored paths. And I go on the green path, and I'm like, oh, I think the baseball field is right here where I would normally go, and my car's right there. And it wasn't there. And then I kept walking, and I got about two miles from where my car was on the other <laughs> side of the town. And there was this whole time where I'm walking out where it's this church, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, where the fuck am I? I've never been here before. <laughs> so it was an it's- interesting afternoon. Yeah, it's weird how long you can live in a place and then sudden like every now and then you'll find yourself in a spot where you're like, I've lived here my entire life and I don't know what this is. Well, dude, my family makes fun of me because I can't. It's impossible for me to give directions. Like I'm very much like there's a landmark that tells me where to go. So like even my brother's house, right? If I come the normal way, there's a barn and right past that barn is his house. But if I come from the other side, I can't remember which house is his so i have to go don't know you don't know the barn (laughs) yeah if i don't see the barn i can't so i'll i'll drive past his house see the barn turn around and then drive past it again and then go back in oh boy it's really bad that's how i get everywhere (laughs) that's rough um we're gonna start this podcast off in a fun way okay we've been talking and part of the reason is because this this week it was kind of brought up again um and a couple of different interviews and stuff like that with Justin Lin, our director for the series, um, as it's been for quite a long time now. And they were talking about the, uh, the the potential that we've been talking off and on about of the Jurassic World slash Fast and Furious crossover. And my question to you as we start this show is, what? how do you bring the two together? Is it dinosaurs driving cars? that our people have to race against is it are people having to somehow use cars and driving spectacularly to do something to dinosaurs or is it the middle ground and dom and letty and all of them are are driving dinosaurs (laughs) i like them driving dinosaurs but i've actually i think i've thought about this a good amount since we've been doing this and i think i have the the right plot for this movie like unironically and it would just be Hobbs who is a big government guy knows about the Jurassic Park world project and 
you see a scene of him and Chris Pratt's character from Jurassic World. They're talking. They need help getting DNA that's stored across the island. But since the dinosaurs are free, they they ha- they need someone to get them through fast. So Hobbs calls Toretto's crew and is like, there, there's this much amount of money for you in it. We need your help. We need you to get us across a dinosaur-infested island to get this dino DNA so that we can destroy it so that some evil character doesn't take it. Perfect movie. That's where it goes. You know, at the beginning of this, I was thinking there's no way what he's going to say is going to make enough sense for me to be okay with it. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm per- I'm perfect, but you're probably about as close as where you can get to where I still think arguably it's jumping the shark. Yeah, I mean, jump, it is jumping the raptor. You're right. <laughs> jumping the raptor for both of these. <laughs> jumping the megalodon. Yes. <laughs> for both of these. But in a weird sense, that probably feels like the most realistic way to handle that. Yeah, you know, you just, you have them, and then you get the cool, you get another cool scene of Toretto, Pratt, and I don't know, I guess Tyrese, just going with the the raptors on their side. They're doing like a pincer move into the T-Rex den. Like, it would be incredible. I want that movie. See, I guess the vision that keeps hitting my mind is just like them going like 120 on the back of a raptor. Yeah. Slide, like almost like they're drifting raptors. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where my brain goes. And that was my answer to the question is I, my, my ideal version from a pure entertainment spectrum is, is 100% them just driving the dinosaurs. I would almost like it to be so ridiculous as they find a way to like retrofit a steering wheel and like a brake and gas pedal and a shifter onto the yeah. raptors to where you just see them like slapping gears and then like you, suddenly you see the raptor like speed up and then they bust a NOS and like <laughs> gas too gas early like, flying, guys. Uh, flying out of the raptor's asshole as it just charges forward. Yeah. <laughs> You get a scene of uh, Chris Pratt's character being like, ah, too early, Blue, and smiling to himself, and then he hits the Nas like 30 seconds later and passes it. (laughs) (laughs) But what I would want from this movie, this is very specific, right? It's a through line through the movie where we get these different scenes of of Dominic Toretto about to be eaten by a dinosaur and he punches it right so the oh, first yeah. one he punches like a fucking gallimagus or whatever one of the little guys punches it right in the face they all escape they're going through they're stuck and there's a bunch of compies right and he's just knocking them out of the air it's, it's that literal scene of could you how many fifth graders could you take on before they beat you kind of thing yeah it's that with the compies and then they're fighting like a rogue band of raptors because Blue is on their side and she has her her raptor friends that are on their side. And he knocks out a raptor and they run. And the climax of this movie is Vin Diesel fighting a T-Rex because Letty is like her car crashed and she's crawling out. But the T-Rex is biting a tire in an homage <laughs> to the original Jurassic Park. And he runs up and he's like, Letty, no! And then the T-Rex turns and looks at him and you see like Ian Malcolm in the back with a flare and he's just ignoring him. And the T-Rex and, and Dom just start running at each other and Dom jumps up and just knocks him out. And get a, we get a repeat of the Fast Five fight scene? Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going. I was referencing. We got enough ways to do homages in this movie. It's perfect. Speaking of homages, I feel like that's a lot of what Fast 6 is. So without yes. further ado, let's break into talking about Fast 6. Hope you enjoyed the ridiculousness of that talk. Uh, Chris, 
Yes. We like to start these episodes off before we get in earnest talking about the movies, characters, all the things we like, uh, sure. talking about just how we generally felt about the movie. So, of course, this is coming in after Fast Five, Fast Four. Um, how did you feel about this movie, watching it alone, I guess you could say that, that but also, I was by myself. That was mean. Thanks for the call. I was with the drive-by, dude. I Sorry, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean when by you're itself. sitting lonely in your bedroom by yourself with the lights off. How did this movie make you feel? Did you want to kill yourself? <laughs> did it remind you of how woefully, terribly just alone you are? What's um, it like to never touch a woman? <laughs> but really, so on, on the on the goal of like, you know, if you looked at this movie as an individual piece, how did you yeah. like it? And then how did you like it coming off the back of five, which I think we both agreed was such a interesting change of pace for the series, but just really fun and kind of excited both of us. Uh, I don't really like this movie. <laughs> I don't think this movie is very good. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm really interested to get into this with you because I... I ultimately share the same sentiment. Okay. I should say that I don't know if I'd go as far as to say I just don't like the movie or that the movie's not some kind of good. Yeah. But off of the back of five, I think five is executed far better. Mm -hmm. I think the stylistic tone choices that they use are far better because Letty's not the carrot on the stick like she was in four and i don't right. know what it is about letty but they always use her to make the films too brooding and too yeah. too in too serious too in themselves and like i said with five you've dumped that and i mm -hmm. really thought that moving forward with six we were we were are moving forward from five that was going to be the new tone set with these but i should have known that the letty of it all had to come in <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I feel like Letty and the motivations that they try to give the character, specifically Dom, through Letty, end up making this movie not be over the top in is what feels like as fun of a way as Five, where it was all over the top, but it felt like that Ocean's Eleven. That's not yeah. what this movie feels like at all to me. No, I don't think this so. movie does not have that. It doesn't have that pulse to it, you know. It doesn't have that kind of oh, it's serious for a second, but it's also fun and lighthearted. And we're gonna have these crazy scenes of people doing fun stuff and going in and plotting and planning and seeing that execute correctly. They were too worried about kind of making it a 007 movie. I don't even know if I'd say that. I still feel like that's not quite what it is. Uh, but yeah, definitely off the back of five, this movie kind of took a step back from what I expected. And interestingly, I think this movie suffers from the same thing that five suffered from for me, where my expectations for the movie were built off the one before it. So I thought I wouldn't like five because I didn't think four was that great originally, you know, way yeah. back when I first saw it. Then last week, I told you I thought I would like six because of the expectation five set for me. And while I didn't hate it, it's definitely not five. And the entire time I was watching the movie, I was kind of like, <laughs> I really wish this was just more five. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of in a similar spot on it, but I also think that's, it, it's, it's shaking my faith in the rest of the series a little is, is the formula for this series that every other movie is really good. I think so. Cause I know that I like seven. Um, I don't know. I feel like this movie, if this movie had come before five, I would have liked it more. I agreed. Um, I think this is like a pale imitation of five where they're like, we wanted all these characters back together again, but why would 
Hobbs need Toretto's help. And then they come up with like, again, super villains to, to get them on this trajectory. And then it kind of is just like, why are you, why? (laughs) So do you know, I'm curious how you feel about this because I'm not saying that there's absolutely zero motivation left because clearly there still is. But I think off of five, the motivation that was still left for our characters, that's at least obvious where it's, it's like, okay, I see where we're going from here. The obvious carrot outside of the letty of it all, because at the time within five, you're not, you don't know any different. You, mm-hmm. As far as you know, she's dead. Dom's moving on. So that's not really the carrot on the stick, or I don't think it should have been the carrot on the stick that this movie does at least tap into is the idea of being exonerated and getting the pardon so that they can go back and be the family that they're talking about in what we will refer to as the familial home of the Toretto's. So that makes sense. All of them want to be able to go and live their life free without having to worry about showing up in the wrong country and then potentially dealing with issues. So I understand that, but it gives me this pause. Now you've seen seven or at least parts of seven. Mm I, I, feel like as weird as it is in my opinion i feel like the pardon should have been saved for the final movie it's kind of the ultimate carrot on the stick is what it feels like to me but i guess that depends on how much more these movies want to push what's at stake do these want to go less about what freedoms you can give and what like oh you can get a a, you know hundred million dollars each while also helping the entirety of brazil out or rio de janeiro to what this movie kind of does where it's almost kind of like you're saving America. And what is the next step that you're already free, but now we just want you to do the right thing and save the world. I, I guess that's where I'm at. The movie constantly makes or at once it was end, it, it made me think of where do they go forward from here that I buy? And right now I don't see that. Now, of course they can tell me and, and I might be able to buy into it and seven might be a great movie, but I thought it was a weird thing to do alongside the letty i didn't i don't really feel like both of them needed to be there everybody has dom's back everybody knows uh who letty is and how dom feels about letty she really had to be the only thing i mean i could still see this movie ending with all of them just together finally but not quite at home yet how do you feel about that Uh, i don't actually agree with you there because i agree with you in premise but I mean, you did you see the stinger at the end? Like, I think it's very clear what happens, you know. So hold on, what do you mean by stinger? Was there, there an after credits? Yeah, you should probably you should probably pause. And you should watch the after credits scene. I'm gonna do that, huh? Yeah. Fast six after credits. My bad. Uh, no, I didn't know. I didn't know there had been any in this ent- entire series. Yeah, there's been multiple. <laughs> so that must be Letty must have been teased. At, at the end fast of Fast Five, five. yes. Uh, okay. Okay, so Tokyo. So this teases Tokyo Drift. Just so you see. Okay, RX-7, so that's my boy Han. Yes. Real-time commentary for everybody. If you want to leave <laughs> <in there. laughs> I might. We'll see. The race is heading towards Central Shibuya. Okay. That's RX-7, so sexy. <laughs> God, I love that car. Hey, look, it's the same drift spot that we saw last time. Yes. Is that an Evo? Oh, and is that a 350? 
So is that it's uh, the same scene from Tokyo? DK. Oh. Is Han not dead? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Han's not dead. This is still I I don't actually have that confirmed yet. (laughs) I know you don't. It's more interesting though, because this oh, this is how they introduced Statham. Oh my god, what kind of retcon is this? I mean, Han's been in the last four movies, so that's been a retcon in and of itself. I understand that, but it was because <laughs> you always knew that this happened later. But now yeah. you're telling me that this person hit Han on purpose? Yes. Okay, and is this Shaw's brother? Yes. And it's still uncertain as if Han is actually dead. Yes. Well, that depends on your perspective, I guess, but I would say yes. Boy. So, circling back, they set it up pretty well. This is important. (laughs) Yeah. First of all, yes, it does set up where the series has to go. Yes. But that's basically, I guess now it's it's not that they're fighting for freedom or for anything like that. They're fighting for their lives. Exactly. Okay. Reasonable. Right. But... While we're here, this is a really important part. How have you felt about how this series has handled retconning, basically? Um, I think it's fine. Um, I wish they had made that clear with Tokyo Drift. I guess just because it does, it's kind of a, a shock to the system until you realize that they've said that Han wants to go to Tokyo fucking 40 times. <laughs> yeah. It's, they say it so much. It's like, we get it. We saw the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that movie already happened guys. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it was cool. Though. It was like, Ooh, the, he wants to go to Tokyo. Oh, the first time. And yeah. in this movie, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't mind it. I just, I don't know. I don't really mind the way they're doing it. I think this is clearly the kind of problems that happens when you want to mess with timelines. And also the fact that for whatever move, for whatever reason, they decided that the best way to make this franchise, and clearly they were correct, uh, more valuable than it currently was, was to retcon it. Uh This after credit scene, I understand what it does and it does set up the motivations, but I feel like this is a little heavy handed. Yeah, it's it's heavy-handed, but I completely buy it. Like I don't know it. It would be it, it's. It, I guess you didn't see it, but it's just as heavy-handed as the Letty scene in the last movie. Like, yeah, it, I'm sure it was. And now I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and do that. And now I'm gonna have to learn that, like you've been saying, they apparently wanted this to be Marvel, so everything has to have an after-credit scene. So now I have to start paying attention. Also, I should say, we're already well into the episode. I've been watching the standard theatrical cuts as well. I uh, think whereas, I've watched some extended, some not, but this is, I saw, I, this I know was in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know this was. I'm just saying, yeah, okay. any other scene that you might bring up, like Fast Five, you would Oh, watch, gotcha. A little bit extra. I didn't know about this one. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't know. I should probably make sure, but yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about the retconning stuff? Because it sounds like you're not a fan of this one, which it's not- I. It's I don't not, really. It's not that I'm not a fan. I just, I guess, I think it's that I like Tokyo Drift so much because of the the fact that it feels separated enough 
and now suddenly it doesn't. And I guess where Tokyo Drift felt like a nice coming back down to, you know, a little bit more realistic tone, even though it was going to act as an end cap. I don't know. It's just weird. It, it changes the way you feel about everything to it, to at least a degree, because it changes the implication of everything you've experienced, which can be a good thing. I, I like this kind of thing, you know, and speaking of games, a lot of interesting retconning. And I, I guess that's arguably what you call it, but more of, Oh, we're going to let you in on the fact now that that thing that we didn't really tell you what it was, but it was just vague enough to potentially be anything was actually this in kingdom hearts. I love it. And I, and I've been a big fan of it, but I don't know. I, I guess where your heart and your head are in a slightly different place. It feels weird. Maybe I would have felt more into it after the movie ended. It probably also doesn't help that I wasn't that into this movie. <laughs> so I don't know. But this is certainly interesting. Kind of going to the movie. Yes. It was obvious from the end of the last movie that Brian was going to be a father. Yeah. That whatever it was that had to pull them back in, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew it was going to be Letty because that's been spoiled to me in the past. But at least as far as five, the way I watched it without the post credit scene, I had zero clue she was going to be involved from what five tells me again, without the end credit scene. Yeah. Um, so coming in off all, all that, you have that thing of like, they're going to try, you know, Brian is going to want to go with Dom with whatever it is that he's choosing to do. Dom's going to try and get him not to, because of course he's a father now and they're leaving that life behind, but you can't really leave that life behind. Um, then you have all this thing going on, right? So the beginning of this movie sets up, we see that there's this master criminal guy. And I'm going to tell you, Watching this this way was interesting because I I hear the name Shaw and I go, okay, isn't that Jason Statham's guy? <laughs> That's what I kept And then thinking. I see this completely different actor and I go, wait a huh? minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I'm very confused. <laughs> I had that reaction at the beginning too. Um, so yeah, it, I guess that does help <laughs> the end. Um, anyway, so going through all that, I knew that there was a way they're going to try and bring them all together. But something that you said that, you know, the the events of this movie, the way they happen is that Letty's on the line and then potentially also their freedom. That's what's going to push them towards going and Hobbs being like, this is, we need you. You're the only other people we have that are even remotely capable. Let's fling you into this thing. Everybody else comes back in for their freedom as well, because there is no carrot on the stick for them just from Letty. Yeah. They all love Dom, but going back on even when I guess I just said, It's more of a stretch for everybody who's not Brian and Mia because Vince is gone for Letty to be a big pull. So I guess I'm undoing my own point and that's fair. But yeah, I mean, I guess that would be kind of an interesting, that would have been almost interesting to see like who, if this family thing really is as important as they say it is. Oh yeah. Test the family unit by being like, Hey, there's no freedom on the line for you. I'm asking you to come together and do this for me because we're a family and let us part of that family. Yeah. It would have been interesting almost if they'd done what you were saying and split these up, but it was, they got their freedom first and then they found Letty and it was more of a situation of, are you guys going to risk your freedom to help out Dom and Letty? I think that would have been more interesting as of a through line. Well, maybe, but I also think I still prefer the opposite. Do you, will you help me get Letty despite the inherent danger of you coming into an area to help me while your freedom is on the line? Because their freedom that they currently experience from five, right, is being in an area that has no expedition. 
Yeah, but I I don't know. I don't think the stakes are raised as high in that situation where if you go, well, you just got your freedom back, and I need you to risk it again. I think that raises. That's that's my question. If they, I agree with you, but I need to understand how we. How how are they risking their freedom by coming and and helping track down Letty? Because who knows what they do with Letty? I can't answer that question. But let's say Letty is working for Hobbs or for Shaw, and instead of Hobbs coming to get them, Hobbs comes to get them in the last movie for a completely different problem. They get their freedom. Dom finds out about Letty through whatever back channel he does, and they have to go get her without government assistance. So then it's a question of, this is technically illegal. Do you want to put the freedom that we just got back on the line for Letty? Okay. Yeah, no, you, you, you did it. You, I mean, that's what I was asking. How did the movie do it? And, and I mean, of course I knew there was a way, but I, I like your answer, and I do think in your order that's exactly what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, across all of that, I do think that that's probably what feels better because there is a bit of an air in this to where in my mind, I almost feel like what you said earlier, if this movie would have come before five, yeah, that it would be different. And I think that that's the way my mind would look at it. This movie comes before five, at least for my version, right? By having Letty directly following up from four, right? Letty is the, the setup for four and then we pay it off in five. And right. we have Letty be what's going on. The group comes together because there's something else involved <clears> in it, you know, whatever it be. Um, and then five happens as them being like, uh, hey, we've teamed up before. We did something great. Now we can team up this time for the ultimate payout. And the only reason I say that is because I think five is infinitely more fun than this one. And I'll have a better feel of where I feel like this movie should sit just from a, a, a sheer watching them in order and having a good time that consistently doesn't, you know, that doesn't water, I, I guess, what would you say, doesn't rise and fall so often. Yeah. Less peaks I feel and like, valleys. Yeah. Seven may help that because I do feel like four being as weak as I feel like it was, and <clears> you, <throat> you pretty much agree, this is notably better than four. Yes. But it's, but it's notably weaker than five. And because it comes after five, it feels like I'm, I just hit a peak and then suddenly going down to a valley, not in the kind of way that you want. Because peaks and valleys are important even when you're writing, but not normally from film to film. You normally want that within your singular film or your singular story. Right. And I think if you can find a way throughout the arc to make this more boring movie, but better than four and then five, you're, you're keeping me on an upwards trajectory. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just think, I just think this movie is close enough to where five was versus where the fast and the furious is that, you know, you have to compare it directly to five. And I think doing that makes this movie look worse. Um, Yeah, I agree. That's, that's kind of the thing for me. So I I guess while we're on that, that's the most important thing. What do you think it is about this movie that loses you? I know we kind of loosely touched on it, that it just doesn't have the fun of five, but I mean, if you think that you had to nail it down as, as, you know, a few key elements, what do you think it is? I just think everything I think this is this is five, except everything about it is weaker. Like everything. The villain's weaker, the chases are weaker, the acting's weaker, the dialogue's weaker. I think everything is worse in this movie than it was in five. So I think that's just it's hard to watch after five. Now it's interesting when you bring up the bad guy or the villain, whatever we want yeah. to call him. <laughs> uh because I think arguably the interesting thing is the villain in five 
had a different sense or a different air of mystery around him because we didn't get to know enough about him, but he was obviously powerful. Right. And it was more of like, hey, I'm powerful in the sense that I live, uh, this city lives and breathes by my, you know, money line and by my say so. Whereas we get to see much more of Shaw in this movie and he's a more formidable one-on-one opponent but somehow he does feel weaker like it's interesting because in a lot of ways he's a better used i shouldn't say better used he's a more used villain but does him being used more strip him of a little bit of that secretness because i know what they're trying to play off of is let's not have the mystery be about who he is or what he does you know he's great you know he's a, a step ahead of everyone at all times and then bam they think that the whole thing is going to be, oh, we set up that we took me. I think anybody could have smelled from a mile away the moment that Brian went away and someone can look them up and see who they are, that they know me as involved in every bit of this. And that sure. she's a sudden weak point. So oh, yeah. that I, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't interesting enough for me. Whereas I think the mystery involved, uh, the, the biggest mystery in this movie, I shouldn't say mystery, the biggest revelation that was kind of interesting and had weird implications, not, I don't, not necessarily bad or good, was Braga coming back. Yes. That was interesting. I, I almost felt like Braga was more intriguing as an idea and as a setup and a payoff, which it's not completely paid off, but from what they did, than the entirety of Shaw. But if the whole point of Shaw was like you said with four to set up the following movie, four sets up five and five yeah. is great because of it. Yeah. This is six weak because it's setting up seven with the real Shaw as we come to know him. I think so. Yeah. Well, I think Shaw, this is normally people. Should use we say story. which one? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the one of the movie where I don't even know his first name. Yeah. Nor do I. Uh, <laughs> I saw him as Shaw. Um, he's a, I just think he's a Mary Sue, which is usually, they usually use that for women, but I think that's what he is. He's just fucking boring. He's good at everything, and they don't explain to you enough of why he's good at everything. You don't yeah. understand why he's this powerful. All you know is he has these cool little fucking ramp cars, and that's it. You know, and he, he, they make these insinuations that he's crazy because he's killing all these civilians and Letty's upset. But then it's like, is he crazy? Is he brilliant? What is he? You don't know anything. He's just supposed to be, oh, he's super powerful. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I didn't care about him. I was like, I know that, I know that you must die because I know that you are not the Shaw that matters. <laughs> yeah. And that was how I felt the whole movie. Because for me, I thought maybe I was just wrong and that Hobbs and Shaw was that actor and I had just somehow misplaced <laughs> Jason Statham as being in that trailer. Because, of course, I've not seen the movie. I've not spent much time looking at it. <clears throat> but like you said, it confused me as well. Uh, I like what you said about the Mary Sue of it all because that's kind of true. I mean, uh, you know, that was a big complaint in Star Wars is that Ray wasn't really used for anything. She was just immediately good at everything. <coughs> and as such, she didn't really have enough interesting flaws or character traits. She was just overly strong immediately. Um, that's an interesting thing. Cause I do feel like you're right here. There's nothing said about why. I mean, yeah, they give you that light background. And I think he was ex military and something, something. Yeah. It's the, it's the most generic background of all time for a villain. Ex exactly. And he's, he's just too good. And that makes him 
basically uninteresting because even when he does what should be interesting and you know the whole braga uh kind of revelation of he you only see him if he wants you to see him yeah that was supposed to be like the big oh but i don't feel like that payoff was really that well you know i mean yeah it led to the the big fight scene but well it led to the big fight scene it did lead to a scene i like which is um riley i believe her name was switching sides yeah that was actually she was a far more interesting character she was was. and you don't even they don't use her that much but they use her just enough to get you to trust her and they do that that switch late enough in the movie that you Mm -hmm. buy it you're like ah, and and it's smart because they introduce her the exact same way they introduce elena for in the last movie uh oh I, i read your file you're great um but then ironically both of them kind of turned against hobbs i guess I don't really know if Elena <laughs> technically does. I think she does. Eh. Well, she's a cop at the end, but she's also sleeping with Dom and was clearly doing so at the end of five. So it's very, it's weird, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But that I was a good, the, yeah, I, good I thought that was just, that was nice. But I think the problem with the villain and it's, it's the same problem with Ray is it, it makes you feel like, things are happening because this is a movie you know like him being so good makes it feel like we needed to get to the next plot point just like ray being so good at everything that they needed to get to the right plot point and that's the problem is you can show me you in ray's version you can both of them they tell you that this person did this stuff they tell you that ray trained with a sword or whatever the fuck it was a bow staff and they tell you that um Shaw in this movie is this badass military guy, but they don't tell you. It's not even, you have that one situation with the CCTV cameras where you're like, oh, he has this power with this fucking dude who randomly works there for minimum wage. Like, okay, he has this guy under his belt. That's cool. I could get him under my belt for 500 bucks. Like, I don't, you know, I just (laughs) didn't find it interesting. It was like, okay, they need to do this so that Hobbs can have this really funny scene of him breaking this man's hand, but being very cordial about the whole thing. You know, it was kind of stuff where like you felt, you felt the storyboard basically. And that's why that's the problem with Mary with, with Ray. And that's the problem with this guy. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said when looking back at, um, what was his name? Uh, Reyes or whatever from the last movie. Reyes. Reyes. Okay. I was very close. Um, yeah. Yeah. Reyes is this thing where, you get this little vague but kind of interesting story of how he tells you the way he thinks and how he uses that to move his, uh, to make his decisions moving forward. And because of that, there's this feeling that he is, he has, is not this super soldier or this really, you know, perfect at everything guy, but instead he's clawed his way up to the top using these tactics. And no longer does he as an individual need to be good at any, all of these things together because he has enough money to pay the individuals who have this as a skill. And I guess it does air. It it does give it this air of a little more believability. Whereas when you have that Mary Sue kind of mentality, you start getting the thing where it's like, this is one guy can't be this good at every single thing. Exactly. And um, like you said, it, it just feels like they're doing it so that the movie can move along right. and constantly have some kind of a twist and turn. And I think the only, there's only one villain in this movie who they establish as scary, in my opinion. 
Two. I'll give actually two. It's Braga and it's Verone. Those are the only two villains who feel scary. And Verone and Braga doesn't even really. It's just kind of like you think someone else is Braga for the whole movie. And it's like Braga's been in the house the whole time. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, so where, you're saying throughout the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, and I think that's gotcha. a it, but if you look at Verone side by side with Shaw, Verone scares me more. Because I yeah. know more about what he does. That's the movie where you get the rat scene, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you get to see a better core of who he is without it being shrouded in a bunch of, oh, well, he's just, again, he's just good at everything. Because that's what yeah. the difference is. It's like, it, it's Carter Verone is not good at every single thing. It's that he knows how to manipulate a situation just enough. <laughs> well, I've mentioned it. Him. I've mentioned show showing and not telling a bunch of times on the show. And this is like mm-hmm. a perfect example of showing and not telling this movie or this is, let me rephrase. This movie is, is telling and not showing and too fast is showing and not telling. They show you that Verone is a crazy, get whatever he wants at whatever price guy by having that scene of him getting what he wants from the cop with the rat. And in this movie, it's just, he was a military guy and he trained a lot so he's super smart you know it just it, it it it's less immersive this way no i agree and it's interesting that we bring up verone because one of the things about braga returning is that it kind of gave me this feeling of you know as much as at the moment it felt like uh, verone's i'll be back you know i'll i'll get you yeah felt like a i wouldn't say a hollow threat <laughs> but it felt like a one-off that didn't really matter and that they weren't going to do anything with. But now that they're starting to do this thing of like reintroducing everybody that they can, bringing back Braga uh, with this uh, with this uh, after credit scene, going back into Tokyo Drift and changing what's going on there, I feel like this is leading toward, and this would be such a crazy thing if this is what this is building towards. Please nobody spoil it for me or tell me if I'm <laughs> correct or wrong. Don't tell me. But okay. I have this interesting thing where i would so love if somehow verone comes back out as an actual key player in all of this and that somehow he's been involved in every step of the way with braga with maybe not reyes i don't know necessarily you can tie reyes into anybody because it's just a different type of everything you know yeah but i think if you you can pull in and say that Braga being involved with um, Shaw in this movie was at the behest of Verone, who's pulling the strings from the behind. And there's that implication of what is he doing in jail that's giving him this ability to pull the strings. Uh, I just feel like Verone coming back would be a really interesting use of the villain so far and would not let him just be a throwaway <laughs> villain. Because like you said, he is he makes you way more uncomfortable then I'd argue almost any villain in the entire series. Yeah. Because well, you see the monster that he can be. Mm-hmm. And if they can find a way to bring him back <clears> and then be, be a headstone, I am into the idea so long as the execution is done well. Uh, and bringing Braga back just kind of gives me that, okay, they are interested just like in five and digging back as much as they can. And the beginning of this movie, right? Cause you know, the intro is all flashback scenes of, Oh, this is building up to this point. If they're wanting to look that ba- that far back, you can really do a lot here to make an interesting loop for the whole series, uh, and I'd, I'd like to see that. 
Um, I agree. I think what they should do is they should. uh, I'm not kidding about this. It's going to sound like a joke. They should do a like beat Marvel to the punch and do like a Sinister Six type thing with these villains, and that's the climax of it. Where you have you have Verone, you have Braga, you have Reyes, you have. Well, Reyes is dead. Okay, so you don't have Reyes. One hundred percent dead. (laughs) <laughs> okay so you bring back maybe you bring back shaw you know maybe vince blames dom for not trying to save him or something i don't know they got he was corrupted i don't fucking know but the last movie should be all the villains coming together to go after toretto and the family that would be sick interesting i actually I, so I would like that as well but yeah. i think uh, uh, it's interesting because this goes on to show that apparently there's plans for a 10th and 11th movie. You know, when you're yes. looking at it from that standpoint, my idea is like, or my brain is like, how often can fighting for your lives be the, I mean, that could be the motivation over and over again, but w- at what point does it stop having an impact on the viewers to the degree that you want? Like, it's like, Oh, well, just here they are fighting for their lives again. I love the idea, but I'm a little worried that seven is just all fight for your lives. Then what is eight? And then what is nine? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't, you know, we're not there. So well, I yeah, don't and I think there's one thing that you're saying that I think we're we're overlooking when we talk about these movies is that uh, we're the only ones talking about the stories in this depth, you know, not yeah, sure. in, in terms of like, no, it's going to be engaging for the audience because yeah. the audience is going to see a tank drive over a bunch of cars or a safe go through the middle of a city. Like this is just going to keep happening. And that's, that's the enjoyable parts of the movie. Like realistically, if you cut these movies down to an hour and a half and it was all just ridiculous car chases, and no stories, I think I would like them just as much, but I enjoy what they do in terms of the story department. But I think a lot of people are fine with just a cookie cutter story with the action being really good, which is why the action not being great in this movie is a problem. Well, see, I I agree there, but I push back <clears> on the fact that five in particular, when I saw that it was t- over two hours, I thought, oh, <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried. And then when the movie happened, I was like, you know, it's not to say that there's no parts that I'm not just a little bit disappointed in or that I think could have been a little bit better. But I mm-hmm. actually think that length, for the most part, that runtime is used in a way that I think five actually deserves most of what it has in there. I think yeah, in this I, movie, there's a strong argument that cutting it down to a significantly shorter movie and getting rid of the, you know, multitude of, I, I don't, I, even though it brings Braga back in here and, and there's interesting implications for that, the entirety of Brian and the, and the runtime being wasted on Brian going back. And then as soon as he gets back and he's about to tell <coughs> Dom what's going on, Dom goes, you going and getting that was for you. Now what we're doing here is for Letty. <laughs> and it's like so you don't even want him to tell you the thing he just risked his freedom and his ability to be in his his child's life for you don't want to know this information (laughs) it felt so weird to me in a scene where i was like well could they have just cut like that 10 minutes from the film (laughs) because the only implication it changes is that braga's involved and guess what we already knew that the moment that they that the guy who was dying held the phone up and said braga yeah that's true. I think the impact is the exact same without me having to see Braga at all. Don't send Brian there. He doesn't really learn anything from it. Cut that, and then suddenly, oh, this is a lot better. Braga's involved. Okay, I learned that, and now it's more mysterious because I don't know where from. Is he still in prison? Is he running it from prison? 
you know, there's a lot of questions. Uh, I just, I find that this movie could be cut because I saw this movie was two and two hours and 12 minutes or whatever. And I thought, oh, okay, well, fast five was pretty good for it for this runtime. And then this movie, I constantly was kind of sitting there being like, okay, when do we get the next thing? Yeah. And for the record, I'm not saying that the movies needed to be cut. I don't think they did, especially five. But I think I've just mean that these movies, if you cut out most of the story, I don't think the general audience would care very much. Yeah. And I actually agree with that because the, I think the only way, reason that five ends up feeling notably different is because it's story for lack of a better term, realistically is all wrapped up in the heist style thing of it. So it's like, it's, it's about, well, why are we bringing these people together and bringing these people together is a fun part. Cause we get to see them execute these plans to find detail and then get away with it all. And that's what makes that movie so increasingly fun. And this movie lacks every bit of that. It's not fun. The stakes are just different because it's about something personal. Whereas that movie wasn't, you know, as personal as it really was, was I guess Dom having the connection with uh, Elena or whatever you said her name was in where she loses her husband and that's what drives her and that he lost Letty and that's what drives him. Yeah. But those movies are the, the two movies. I guess I thought that the, the tonal change and even the pacing change that five brought was going to be brought forward. Um, and I don't know why I thought that because I think the tone and the pacing of Tokyo Drift, the first Justin Lin directed movie, goes directly into four, the next Justin Lin directly directed movie, and it fails on both pacing <laughs> and tone, in my opinion. And then we get to five, and it exceeds in pacing and tone, and then we get here, and we're right back to the same issue as four. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's, I don't, it's odd. I feel like this is one of those things where if I was outside looking in and I watched these movies and I never for any reason got to see the credits of who directed them, if you asked me which ones were directed by the same people, I would not at all think that Tokyo Drift 4, 5, and 6 were all directed by the same person. There's no way. No. And it's crazy <laughs> that he peaked in his first one. <laughs> I know. That that's so funny that that's like a hot take. Yeah, I don't get it. Tokyo Drift is the best one so far. So you said something. You said that yes. the action was weak here. Yes, it was. So weak in general or weak in context of what's come before it? Both. I don't know. I don't think the... I think <clears throat> the tr- the tank scene was not interesting. Like, I don't... I don't know. It was it was a visual spectacle but in a, in a way, but at a certain point it was like, Oh, he's driving over another Chrysler. Ooh. Like, I didn't care. The only part that was cool was the anchor and Brian trying to throw it over. But even then, it was like, could you have maybe done this in two tries instead of six? Like, I don't know. It was just, I just thought it was very boring, especially compared to the safe stuff. Like, that thing was awesome. Yeah, I agree. And it's weird. The safe is far less... Immediately, when you look at it, it's far less destructive than what you imagine with a tank. Yeah. But it's also because of where you do it. You know, you put the safe in the middle of a booming town in Brazil where there's buildings everywhere and this this safe is just smashing through everything. Yeah. Then you put a tank in the middle of a highway <clears throat> around nothing. Right. 
just and a bunch it, of people to be murdered. And like, it kind of feels like why? Because the, the reality is, is that the number of people that were probably murdered by the safe is probably high. Yeah, <laughs> but the spectacle and the fun of it all has you as a viewer be able to disconnect from that. Whereas here, it's like they're focusing too much on it. And the irony of it is, is that if you put that tank in the middle of a city, and even if they were blasting <laughs> off and shooting stuff left and right and having a lot of collateral damage, the spectacle of it all keeps you from thinking about the fact that he's just killing a bunch of people. But when that's but that spectacle drives the scene. When you give me a tank in the middle of the highway, in the middle of nowhere, it loses the majority of any kind of spectacle. Like, yeah, you get that small visual spectacle of a tank busting out of the truck. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Then you get the quick blowing up the bridge and that's it. What else do you get? Realistically, what else do you get? Yeah. The anchor. Not much. Yeah. And like you said, the anchor felt played out too long. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even completely sure that I believe that that would have worked. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> So across the board, it, it really loses a lot right there for me, though I get that's because the tank is not supposed to be the airplane scene from Uncharted 3 or the tank uh, or the, the the train fight from Uncharted 2. It's not meant to be the spectacle, the one that you think about the movie and remember. The plane is supposed to be that. Yes. But then my question has to become, why did you spend so much time on this tank? Yeah. I, the tank was one of those like, oh, we need to get the this the chip, which oh, the chip can kill billions of people. I don't know. Well, why would um, it be in a tank? <laughs> yeah, I don't really get it. Unless the tank was like, oh, this is our exit plan on of how we get this and get away. But I think yeah. the, one of the things I don't understand is this movie and this franchise is getting so crazy. Why they wouldn't use the opportunity to? Do what I used to do in GTA and fucking turn the gun around and you just see them boosting with the gun Yes, and jumping over cars and they have to jump across stuff and they're using they're using where the tank they did this once. But why didn't they do this more where they're using where the tank crushed and is boosting across to jump across the highway and you get all these cool jumps and and drifts and all this stuff. Instead, you get them all driving in a straight line, dodging cars, and then that's it. It's over. And dodging tank fire. So you're not even getting any of the payoff from the tank fire. <laughs> no, you get one. I think they blow up one car with the tank that's not being crushed. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. It's funny. I'm glad you brought up the GTA thing because it did make me think of GTA 3 and, and Vice City and all of them where you do turn it around backwards and you can start going faster. I thought the exact same thing. I thought, I thought oh, wouldn't it be dope? Because you see him moving the gun. I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if he moves it behind him, starts mm-hmm. shooting it off so he can do these crazy jumps? I'm glad you said that. That's actually where I was going to go with it because I'll, since they didn't do anything that gave it real visual spectacle to me, it almost seems like the entirety <laughs> of the tank scene is that they thought, wouldn't it be funny if we have Ludacris say, uh, guys, we need another plan. They got a motherfucking tank. It just felt like it yeah. was written for that. That one off. joke. And it wasn't even really, yeah, it was like a flat, it, the joke didn't even really land. No, it didn't. I don't know, man. I just, I think they, they were like, okay, we have this cool idea. We're going to put someone in a tank. And then someone went, what are you going to do with that? And Justin Lin was like, drive it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't have any explanation of how they blew it that much. 
Well, yeah, because it feels weird to see them driving these little Formula One style cars they're doing, right? Yeah. So crazily and so expertly. And those were actually kind of fun, you know, like seeing the cars like ramp off of them and whatnot and like kind of jacking off. That was cool. But it, it sets up this thought of like, oh, okay, when they get in the tank, they're going to do unorthodox things with a tank. And then they don't. <laughs> they use a tank in a decidedly tank-like fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't, so this, can, this, wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's one part about this scene that is the most immersion-breaking thing ever. And it's the fact that Roman's car doesn't get immediately crushed like every other car for the last 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. I thought the same thing. I thought, uh, what, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. This why, why, why? He put it just in the perfect spot. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and it's, the the bigger reason is that it felt so accidental because when Roman got hit, he didn't do any maneuvering necessarily, no. did he? Like, it was yeah. almost like he was like, oh, crap, I got hit. I don't know what to do now. Right, and it's not even like they make an effort. I'm sure. Sh- it's not like they make an effort to show specifically cars not being crushed. I would say 99 out of 100 cars crushed in that scene were crushed or hit in that scene were crushed. They were not, you know, knocked to the side. So it just yeah, makes like it make less sense. Yeah, sure. There wasn't an effort to make it seem like not all cars are going to do exactly that. Exactly. And then suddenly the one car of the main character conveniently doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I just that, that, that goes but. towards what you're talking about, though. It's these things that make it feel more like a movie. And I know that's a weird thing to complain about, but you know, that's going to lead us to this ultimate scene, right? We capture Shaw, uh, we get Letty back. And I, I guess before we go there, I have to say it. <coughs> I thought the entirety of Dom, like hanging out of the side of his Cuda or whatever the hell he was driving, I can't actually remember right now. And then jumping across the bridge on the highway to catch Letty and then hit the thing felt so ridiculous. It did, but I did like and it. it. And it looked so dumb. Now, I'll tell you this. I do believe, I'll give the movie that much credit, from all the things that we've seen from Dom, I do believe that Dom would do that. Yes, he would. I don't believe that he would come out of it that unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> Which further brings me to the point of at some point, I almost wish that they would just be like, oh, you guys are actually mutants with heightened senses. And that's why you're able to pull off these. Very okay, crazy hold things. on. I was about to ask you. So have, has, have these movies finally convinced you that they're superhero movies? And I'm 100% right about that. Well, the, the last one kind of really set that tone, but in yeah. a more realistic sense of like, these are the superheroes of driving cars. But yeah. in a way that while they're still a little pushing it too far. It felt more grounded than this does by a mile. Dude. And they, this movie was just like, okay, I would prefer that you guys come out and just tell me that they're that yeah. uh, they are part of like a, a an old government project where they actually took babies from different areas and injected them <laughs> with some crazy things so that they grew up in that and you know, it was coming back to bite them in the ass and that the reason they were actually on the most wanted list is less to do with the crimes they've committed, though it does matter, and more to do with the fact that it, it's like they need to get them off the road before someone finds out that the government was involved in it and it becomes, you know, a conspiracy they have to kind of try Dude, to cover. Could, could you imagine if that's the twist in the last one is they have to uncover a government conspiracy of, of people who turned them into mutants? 
they they poisoned the drinking water at 1327 California and <laughs> California the whole state 1327 the whole state. California <laughs> they poisoned the drinking water and that's why these guys are superheroes and do all this crazy shit I mean I would be here for that twist I if actually they... would too is the weird thing and I think that again this movie is way more fun with that like Ima- that that's the injection of fun that this movie kind of needs. Yeah. Imagine this scenario where Universal goes to Disney and is like, we will give you back the Hulk. You can have publishing rights, you can make your movies, we want none of it. But Fast and the Furious needs to be canonized in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit because now i'm just thinking of like in five years when the next the next avengers come out and they're fucking fighting galactus or whatever you see toretto roman and tez drive up in In the space cards yes (laughs) in the space cards are in fucking camaros and dom just turns and does a half smile to letty like he does in every fucking movie out the side of his car and then they just drive at him there's multiple scenes of like the cars fighting and <laughs> rocket raccoon is shooting off the top of dominic's car you know it's funny that's actually a far more achievable goal back in the pre-disney era of owning literally all the marvel stuff besides hulk and spider-man uh it would have been really interesting if they could have tried making that deal with fox when fox owned the mutant universe uh, yeah. universe and have it to be where the fast and furious is canonized within x-men and the mutants. right they're doing the multiverse they could put fast and the furious in the multiverse it's not hard <laughs> kevin feige call me because i got the perfect idea you can't say it on the podcast otherwise it's out there and he can use it <laughs> fucking doctor strange is opening a portal in multiverse of madness and, and all you see, you see is drift through it's just drifting tail lights and there's there's a camaro and a skyline and it goes wrong universe we'll come back to that one he closes the portal dude <laughs> it just continues dude. What kind of reveal would that be? Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine Endgame if one of the portals that they opened up, you just saw cars drifting through and then smacked the fuck out of Thanos? See, what would be almost better than that is if they opened a portal and Tony Stark had built Iron Man suits, but they were cars for the Toretto and his oh family. Oh my god! So you see Toretto and him, them all walk out. It's like Hobbs and him, like their muscles and veins pulsing out. And then you see him just touch his chest like Iron Man did in a fucking Camaro builds. Yes! And he goes, <laughs> oh, we're ready. Dude, I love that idea. I kind of no. hope that they, without without Marvel at all, they just go to a point where this movie series is jumping the gun so much <laughs> that with a Fast 10, suddenly they just have like, even if it's like the briefcase from Iron Man 2 where like they set it on the ground yes. and he hits a button and it <laughs> builds a car around him. See what it's, we're, like, it's like his old charger that he's always driving. Yes. What we're really <laughs> building up towards is Voltron. Dude, I and what's weird is I'm 99% sure that Universal owns Voltron. I think you might be right. All they need to do is Fast 9 is a movie about them trying to stop a nuclear detonation and they fail, but they were so close to ground zero that they weren't vaporized because they were in their cars, but they were turned into superheroes uh, in their not. cars. They're not. It's, it's, uh, Voltron's owned by World Event Productions, and it's licensed to Classic Media slash Comcast. Gotcha. Ah, 
thing is, is that there's enough. Uh, they own Transformers, and if you're telling me that Transformers can't viably just connect to to each other to basically be knockoff yeah. Ultron, I mean, Power Rangers was doing it. I'm so. just I'm just shocked that they haven't gone the Fast and the Furious Transformers route. Like, I'm blown away that Jurassic World is the one they're talking about, and not Transformers. Transformers makes way more sense. A far more obvious one. Yeah, um, we've we've strayed so much from this movie. I don't care. <laughs> Neither do I, because <laughs> the conversation we're having is actually the thoughts that we're introducing are far more interesting than the entirety of this yeah. movie was to me. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because at this point we're just having a good time. Yes. How in the hell did I'm more curious your reaction? What was your reaction when Don when Don like dolphin jumped in the air and headbutted the big muscly dude? Oh, I Shaw's fucking I, I cackled. <laughs> I couldn't believe he did that. Like the long fucking that was almost beaten by the, the rock or uh hobbs and uh dominic pulling the other guy up into the air and hobbs ducking him like 15 feet in the air dude so so fucking ridiculous i couldn't believe it that's where i was going the cg was so rough too and it was so obvious like it was the thing where it was so outside of the realm of any form of possibility that it was hard to just look past but i tell you i was laughing so hard at the headbutt that I rewinded it and I said, as soon as he jumped up I went <laughs> and I'm going to make that an edit I'm going to cut that scene and I'm going to throw in dolphin noises on Dom <laughs> as soon as he's going and then have him just headbutt the shit out of Big Muscly dude oh, I was, was cracking up so much and I think that's part of it right all the, mo- all the scenes that I think were supposed to come off as like cool action were a little cheesy they were even um, moved me completely out of it (laughs) can we talk about the cheesiest one of all which is my girl giselle's death the titanic scene of the movie yeah when she dove off the car to shoot that guy you know what's more funny is i was Uh, looking at it whenever they first got it they're hanging on the car and and i was like oh is this like reverse Titanic? <laughs> I, I said that exactly to my wife because I was laughing that like he was holding onto her hands. Yeah. And I was like, don't let go, Jack. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, she's saved. They're not going to go that route. Good. They're not going cliche. And then not even like two seconds later, <laughs> she fucking lets go so that, so that Han survives. I was like, it was Titanic. Yeah. The, the most ridiculous part to me is like, I don't understand how she died. Like Letty survives being directly next to an explosion and Giselle falls 15 feet and passes away. Like, do you know something notable here? What? Letty had a funeral and wasn't even dead. Yeah. We didn't see a funeral or anything. No, we just saw sad Han. For Giselle. We just saw sadness. And also, this is the first time they've said her name in the entirety of the series. Yep. I'm pretty sure. Suddenly, Mia's like, Only where's once. Giselle? Yeah, they like give her directions. And you're like, am I supposed to know who Giselle is? I only know because I looked at the IMDb page. <laughs> I, yeah, no joke. My wife was like, who is she talking about? Oh, that girl? Yeah. Gal Gadot? <laughs> but, yeah, but... Uh, the the weird thing is, is you talked about the Sinister Sticks. I actually think that there's a complete way that you can bring Shaw back because this movie had a lot of implied death 
And we've yeah, already not. seen we've already seen implied death be subverted with Letty. There's yes. no reason. You've already said it in our mind that death does or implied death does not mean depth death, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I mean you could argue that like Reyes was implied death, but I think it's a lot different whenever he clearly headshot that man with a gun in the street than a very vague I flew out of the back of a heli- of a plane that was moving at we don't even exactly know what speed maybe thirty miles per hour maybe fifty we see people fly out of cars at fifty miles per hour and survive there's no guarantee that she's dead maybe her arms broken and beaten up yeah I feel like it's so weird I my I was laughing I was like th- this whole scene was written because Gal Gadot got the offer to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> and she was like, "Sorry, guys, I'm gonna need to step away from this franchise." I wouldn't be I, surprised because I there was no reason. Both. There was no reason why she couldn't have pulled the gun out of her pocket and just shot at the guy. I was like, "Why are you doing this so dramatically?" I don't know. It's just I don't know. Her, both it, her and Shaw uh, didn't make sense because it was like the plane is not that high. Like if the plane had taken off and maybe. It yeah. would have been, yeah. It would have even been more did. interesting. Exactly. It didn't. The cars never left the ground. Yeah, they were always touching the ground. You could yeah. argue speed, I guess, but I think someone yeah, else but, jumps off a car. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but like I said, it, it doesn't even really matter because you're you're going onto a tarmac. I mean, yeah, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, it doesn't mean you die unless you like get a hit your head directly. Your head. Maybe yeah. she maybe she shot herself in the face right after so she didn't have to feel <laughs> the impact of the force of the ground, you know. Oh dude, that'd have been actually kind of brutal to be in the movie. Like yeah. you see her go boom and then you just see her turn it back on herself, but then it's like, <laughs> well why did she kill herself cuz she was sad? But it'd be right. more if like if you gave it implications like she shoots and then you kind of see her still flying back and you see her look back and like kind of wince cuz she knows it's going to hurt and you just kind of see her like wave at Han with one hand by while she puts the gun up to her head. <laughs> or even if she if her by her jumping off she was sucked into the plane engine and realized it. Yes. That would have been I, fucking I, intense too. And they already, again, they already threw somebody through one of the engines. Yeah. If they'd done that, I would have been. Again, that's one of the only real deaths. I'm not even so sure that the girl who turned size at the end of the movie died because she just flew off the back of the plane. No, but that might be my favorite scene of this movie. Her flying off the back of the plane. Just the, uh, the whole line delivery and (laughs) like wrong team, bitch. And then she just looks at the rock and, and hops just goes, eh, eh. And then she just fucking flies out. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. She is dead. She and I want to tell you dead. why. She got she harpooned. Because her fu- her fucking entrails are everywhere. Were they? Oh, no, no. But um, we didn't see that. Oh, but that's gotcha. absolutely what happened. Well, yeah. Being shot by an air. Uh, I'm sorry. A NOS powered, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> they NOS show that thing go through concrete. Point blank. Yeah. They show it go through concrete. She got skewered. And what's more funny is I don't even know if that it would knock her out of the plane. I'm pretty sure it would just go straight through her. <laughs> yeah. I have to imagine she was just knocked off her feet and fell through the door. I don't know. But that I was like, oh, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she's more dead than the guy that hit the. No, nah, probably not. The guy I was going to say the guy in Fast Five <laughs> who hit his head on the bridge. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that I guy's think definitely dead. But he had a helmet. I'll give him that. He did. Um I think you know what last... that kind of reminds me of? Did you play Call of Duty um, Advanced Warfare? Yes. The scene where you punch into the car and like you throw the guy and he hits the street lamp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. The, the, I don't know, man. The whole end of this movie, it felt weird. 
I, yeah. I, I don't I don't even feel like they used the plane as the actual set piece that it was supposed to be. It they, also didn't feel like it was used the way it should have been. And no. I know it technically would have been ripping off Uncharted 3 at this point. But even at that point, it's, it'd be flattery. This would have been way more interesting if the plane got up and at least you know like a hundred not maybe like maybe a hundred feet off the ground not even that high and then you start seeing like the cars and cargo nets like going off and they're fighting <laughs> on top of the cars while they're in the air and then they kind of yeah. do some crazy shit while w- once one of them survives like they knock each other off the plane and that's more set in t- stone death then you see some dumb shit where it's like the cars are retrofitted with like parachutes and dom and mia and brian get into a car and then find a way to like you know, one of them goes up on the front, maybe Dom, maybe Letty, since she was up there too. And yeah. Letty finds a way to like cut the, the, the cable that's holding the car in with everything. And then they like parachute down. Yeah. I just, that would, it feels more in line with what the movie, in my opinion, became with five right. than this does. And it, it would have also solved the biggest plot hole in the movie and that scene. Uh, the runway is far too long. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. And that's the other thing is like, if you're saying that this is going fast enough to kill somebody so they get sucked out of it, how if it's going that fast, then how is this runway still existing? That runway was the entire fucking country they were in. <laughs> that was a 20-minute scene, and the, the runway never ended. And they never stopped moving, even sped up at one point. <laughs> no, and I would have forgave it if the ending was not the plane crash, but Dom, excuse me, <clears throat> I'm going to restart. I would have forgiven it if the ending had been Dom jumping off the plane as it's taking off and they realize they can't take off and the plane crashes, whatever. So you still get the cool explosion, but they had hit the end of the runway and the plane is going and he jumps away and you know, that all happens. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of ways where I feel like you can do this in a way that feels more like where the series has been going. Yeah. And it's almost weird to me that you've, blown the spectacle of this series up so much just to take a step back when you have multiple opportunities to do something cool. Right. Especially when you've given up on the realism. Yeah, completely lost it. If you're going to show me a dolphin headbutt and a guy jumping 15 feet in the air to clothesline (laughs) someone, yeah, I mean, it's all gone anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Stop with the bullshit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) That's all I have to say about the plane, personally. Yeah, and really, I don't... The end, I guess, has the strongest implications on the series is that they're they're free. They, you know, Shaw, as far as we know him to be, is dead. And not the secret ending, but the normal ending. We see um, Hobbs come up and get hit with the hide your baby oil line, hide that big-ass forehead. (laughs) Good moments. Also, still glad to see Roman back. Such good comedic relief. Also very sad that there wasn't a single We Hungry in here. The entire time he was praying, I was like, slap me in a We Hungry here. Yeah. Slap me in one, and he didn't, and I was very disappointed. But end of the movie happens. No, hold on. You're missing an entire thing. There was a straight-up scene where this man was looking for food. Well, he's looking for food, but he didn't say... That's what. Oh, I'm sorry. You must, I must have. Just he, didn't even, he didn't even say I'm hungry. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is they yeah, had the perfect opportunity 
But to, yes, to they had the opportunity there. to do it and they didn't. But I, and then since they didn't do it there, I thought maybe they'd do it at the end where like he was he was eating before they were saying grace and he was going to get in trouble for that and then yeah. end up having to say grace and he was oh, going to be on. like, sorry, we hungry or yeah. I'm hungry. Because <laughs> they have that scene in the beginning with the vending machine where Hobbs Hilarious. keeps looking at him, which is a great scene. But you'd think eventually they would have had Roman just stop and look back at Hobbs and go, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and again, I guess maybe maybe I, they thought it would be better for it to be an implied joke because this is just a running joke between us at yeah, this point. That's true, and it but is implied. We hungry? Him. Yeah, that's true. I guess the thing that got me the most is I, I just feel like it needed to be there for that particular scene because it was hilarious. I mean, you had it everything was. to lead up into it, uh, it, it, even for him to make a joke about pockets being empty if you wanted to. Because I loved how he's going around and asking everybody for change. Yeah. <laughs> Hey man, you got change? <laughs> like man, you you a uh, hundred million dollars, and you you ask, you still asking people for change? Like that's how you keep that money. I like that line a lot. <laughs> You're a millionaire, and you still need change. <laughs> that's how you keep uh, it. But and he, the fact that he wasn't like I also love that Hobbs wasn't even upset about it. Like you could tell he was annoyed, but he yeah. was just like shot the thing, and he's like, "It's on the house." <laughs> I liked that, but I was like, "Is he gonna really eat those like bullet ridden chips?" <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, it's not um, like he shot it with a shotgun. It's not like things got hit with pellets. It was just a single it, bullet. No, he shot it with a forty-four Magnum. I don't know. That might be worse than shotgun. I no. mean, at most, glass shards got into stuff. But I mean, exactly. it was in packaging, you know? <laughs> You're fair, fair, fair. I also Can't, like how he grabbed one thing at first, and then he kind of like, thinks about it and goes, going. We'll grab might something as well. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can we, we didn't mention this um, last episode, and it's my fault. Uh, can we talk about how... Hobbs has the best lines in both of these movies, but both of his best lines, you can see him start to laugh before they cut the scene. Okay, tell me, what was, what lines are we talking about? So the last line, the last one was in Fast Five, which is maybe one of my favorite lines ever, where the guy comes up to him and goes, I got news, you want the good news or the bad news first? And Hobbs just goes, you know I like my, dinner, my dessert first. <laughs> Is that how he said it? Or did he I don't say know if that's different? exactly how he said yeah. it. But he said something close to that. I'm going to look I it up. I am going to look it up because that was one of the moments where my wife was like, he's a terrible actor. But I was like, I think this is on purpose. But also, I like you said, it. he was clearly trying not to break character. Yeah. Um, but while you look that up, in this one, he has that line where he goes, we're going to take our egg out of the hen house. And we're going to wait for the wolf to come. <laughs> the chair, Whatever it was. Fuck, now, now I don't remember it. I'm going to look up both of them. Hold on. Yeah, I'm seeing if I can find the the bad news, good news. It's the one where he says, fucking give me the veggies. <laughs> <laughs> That's one, too. Hold on. It's the same scene. So he does say, the guy comes out and says, good news, bad news. He goes, you know yeah. I like my dessert first? Yes, there it is. Then he tells him the thing, and he says, now give me the damn veggies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, incredible lines. Yeah. 
It's the way he delivers it too. Yeah. G- give me the damn veggies. <laughs> I know it's coming, so get it out of the way. <laughs> All right, so what was the line from this movie that you liked? I can't find it. But it was the one where he was like um when he was doing like the hype up of his troops, he was like, we're going to take our chicken. We're going to take it out of the head house and we're going to wait for the wolf to come get the chicken or whatever the fuck it was. It was delivered way better than that. But you see him crack, uh, like break character right at the end when he's saying it. I thought it was really <laughs> funny. I wish I could find the line. You know, while we're talking about that, there's this thing about Hobbs that I don't quite understand. He's been around these people. He's been exposed to it enough. You think that he would realize and be able to, and I mean, of course, we being the viewers, we have a little more insight, but you'd have thought that he he would be keen on the fact that the guy he caught of Shaw in the base of, of Shaw's group mm-hmm. was clearly there to get them to move the piece on purpose. Like that's such obvious bait that I felt it felt out of character for Hobbes to be like, I want to move that piece now, get it on the road where it's out in the open and an easy target. When at the beginning of the movie, we saw that they hit a target on the road. Yeah, it didn't really. uh, I agree with you there. It didn't make too much sense. I felt like, what is going on? I almost thought at that point that Hobbs was the one who was on Shaw's payroll. (laughs) And at (laughs) least then it would have made sense. Like this whole time. But then again, why is he bringing in Toretto and all them? (laughs) Yeah. That would have made it super interesting if Hobbs was the one on the payroll. Um, It would have. And the only reason he was bringing in Toretto is because even though he was on the payroll, he he saw it as an opportunity to get... to have uh, Dom get Letty so that you kind of have this almost dual agent to a degree. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm like trying to find the line, but whatever. Um, (laughs) No luck. Yeah, I think I don't know how much more you want to go. I am kind of good, but I do have one more scene to talk about, and it's the uh, auction scene. Yeah, no, at this point, I just want to talk about all the scenes that we liked and thought were funny. Or, cool. or interesting yeah. or whatever, yeah. Uh, but tell you what, before we do that, I, since we're kind of wrapped up our discussion on the actual main part of the movie, I want to throw in uh, Rude Days 93 had mentioned over on the Discord. Uh, he says, on Fast 6, this was sort of where I fell off. Not sure why I was excited. They were bringing back Levy at the end of Fast 5, but the amnesia storyline I wasn't too thrilled with. Uh, it's interesting because I think that what I'm seeing at least is that it – is Fast Six kind of universally known as dropping the ball after Fast Five? I think it has to be. Yeah, I mean, watching this movie, even as someone who could like, who could look at this and see what someone else might like about it, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't, no. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't. If you told me this was your favorite Fast and the Furious movie, I'd just like, yeah, go, that again. Not to okay. say that there's nothing to like about it, but. Yeah, if you if you told me like if we're talking about Fast and Furious and you're talking about Fast and the Furious or Fast and Furious Six before you're talking about Five, Tokyo Drift, Two, One, yeah. hell, any of them besides Four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can I, see it. This might spoil some things, but I could see an argument for this over four or for Four over this one. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not making that argument, but I could see it. Because of something that I'm assuming happens in seven, but we'll learn that on next week's no, episode of Midweek uh, Matinee. <laughs> I just think this movie is barely better than four. <laughs> I do think because it has more characters and it has that comedic relief that it's better than four because it, even though with the characters that four did it with, where it became way too serious and way too brooding, those same characters are doing the same thing and having the same issue here. 
but at yeah. least you've got Tej and Han and Giselle and all these people that help bring back a lighter mood. That's true. I think I just like Braga more than Shaw. I, I agree there. Um, I think the Braga was interesting uh, just because of like, like we talked about him being around and yeah. him being revealed. And it's not like it was the craziest reveal in the world, but it gives him a different air. Again, it gives you a different air than Shaw because it's kind of like you understand the workings of this man and how he's been able to maintain the way he is because he works in a way where he's able to pretend to be someone he's not who works under Braga in order to kind of really have a control on what's going on. It's smart. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's what it is. It's smart in a way that, like you're talking about, you're shown in a way that's more real-world applicable than just the Shaw, oh, he's smart, and clearly he does a bunch of things that are smart, but you don't know where he got these ideas from. Is this a bunch of other people's ideas that he's just executing? Is he doing this on behalf of Braga? It does, it's hard to tell, and he just seems like he's, uh, for lack of a better, he seems like he's the Captain America of it all, but with still no flaws. Because like the moral conundrums are what make Captain America interesting because he can do all sorts of crazy crap too. Mm-hmm. But there's moral conundrums. And I feel like when you put that same role, at least in this universe, and there's no moral conundrums realistically, because like clearly he didn't give a shit that he was just running over cars left and right. Letty did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess that that's what the point of that scene was, is to c- try and get everybody back on Letty's side. I don't know. It is very odd. I think that's the biggest thing. that This movie confuses me coming off of five. And I wonder if it feels a little less confusing and jarring if you watch this the two years between the releases. But watching it a week later than Fast Five, no. Yeah, exactly. No thanks. I'm good. (laughs) I will say I do want to watch seven. So, Well, I want to watch seven because surely it can only go up. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where with all of these movies, except for, I wanted to see the next one and this I, one, like I'm sitting here like, do I want to watch seven tonight? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to, cause it would be a week, but I do want to <laughs> yeah. watch it. All right. Well, what scene were you talking about? <clears throat> uh, I just really like the scene of, uh, when Tej and Hobbs go to the auction and oh, they have that yeah. guy who, I don't know if we need to have this conversation, but like racist kind of, you know, it's funny because no matter what you do, when you see that you, you, the thought crosses your mind at least, but I think it was, I think it was more classist. It was classist, but like the logic made sense, you know, in a non-racist way. I think he would have said the same thing to a white person. It was just very weird to have seen the dinner service entrances over there in like specifically movies about racism and then have it here. Like, yeah, and, huh. and definitely when he's saying that, are you part of the help? Yeah, I think that exactly. that's the part. I, I think that that's probably the part because at least for some people, there's a lot of that connotations of like, well, when you view somebody as the help, when you don't think that they fit into a position, yeah, then you're, you're hearkening back to the idea of like slavery and right a, and being lesser in the in the I guess yeah. the, the job marketplace. Which is <laughs> why mean, it's, it's weird to talk about because it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think it was meant to be racist, but it really so felt racist. <laughs> well, but at the same time, I think like who whoever wrote that scene, be it yeah. director Justin Lin or if there's a writer involved, I think that they knew at least to a degree that that, that is going to come up in the, the mind of whatever viewer since you're doing it with two non-white Dark-skinned characters. Dark-skinned man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're specifically using people 
that are going to invite that thought process at least a little bit into the head. But I'll say, I, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's more because of it being such a talked about thing right now that your head immediately goes to, is there any kind of racist connotation here? I think if you really look at it completely on its own, it, it, it's just classist. It's just, you're not dressed the way that the people <coughs> who are at these events. And I do this all the time and see it all the time. This is not your crowd. Yeah, you're here. And I like how he even offers the kind of like, be, it, it's kind of like bullshit courtesy of yeah. like, Bob, but feel free to finish your wine first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it but, was, or champagne, whatever it was. Champagne. But I don't know. I just really liked how it ended with them, with him being like, if there's anything else I can do, <laughs> just be like, yeah. I want your shirt. I just loved that whole scene of him just stripping down. <laughs> well, and the response feels like it was it's, it's an answer to racism as well, right? Yes, exactly. Like, hey, the, the you know the one who is belittling <clears throat> us, we're going to take that opportunity to flip it around on him, <laughs> belittle the shit out of him. I just liked the. Uh, I don't think my shirt will fit your friend. <laughs> he goes, yeah, it'll, it'll fit. fit. It'll fit. <laughs> <laughs> also, like uh, he's finally walking away. I, I like that watch too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like how far he's willing to go with that. At what point are you like, "Fuck you"? You already bought the cars, my guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going home. Well, I guess in my mind too, right? If that happened to me, like I had a pretty good day today. Just yeah, throw, throwing it out there. I made like a thousand bucks today off oh. of a variety of different things. Oh, don't and say it. I can't hear it. <laughs> when you have, yeah, I know. When you have those days, right? You're, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You're like, yes. you know what? No matter what happens, at the end of the day, I've made a bunch of money. And so even though it's stressful or belittling or demeaning in the moment, I'm still all right. If I was in his shoes and the guy was like, hey, you know, I just spent basically a million dollars on your cars okay. and you're seeing a fat bonus from this, I'd be like, can I walk home in my underwear and my, and my shoes and, and have a little bit of humiliation and then go home and then roll in all the money I just made. Absolutely. I oh yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't <laughs> do it. I'm just saying brutal, <laughs> brutal. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, great use of comedic relief that holds. And I think I'm trying to think of when that came after I guess nothing really dramatic had happened yet. No, I don't think so. That was when they were setting up, getting the yeah you know in, in an oh. interesting way it would have been smart to use which they did but that was a really good use of comedic relief where yeah. it had been interesting if they could have set something to that degree after a heavy moment so that you have that kind of ebb and flow from the movie well that was right after um shaw kind of dressed them down a little bit with the uh the emp kind of things true i and mean it was definitely that- uh it was definitely a high point of contention in the movie yeah and that absolute ridiculous scene of Paul Walker drifting his EMP off the car. <laughs> yeah. Like, Come the fuck on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still thought that was far more in the realm of realism and, and expectation of the character from what we've seen. I think Brian is always so fun because when you see him do stuff, it feels like he's earned that. Yeah, I agree. Because you've seen him from movie one where he was too earnest and really wasn't as good of a driver. And you've seen him work to this point to where anytime he does something, you're like, my boy Brian's put in the work. He's done. <laughs> he can he handle himself. That. Yeah. But then, like, you know, if you were to show me Tez doing that, I'd be like, I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? I would believe it more if he like, hacked it. Yeah. yeah I true. could see it. But Han is the only other person I could see pulling off that kind of finesse move. Absolutely. I mean, they talk about Dom, and yeah, I guess that's true, but Dom never felt like he had that earn it thing. You know, the only time he's really ever severely screwed up is the high emotional intensity of 
you know, the first movie, whenever he gets hit by the train or doesn't get hit by the train, but then immediately hits something else, which is, you know, when you think about that now, it's like Dom that we see in these movies would never make that mistake. No, he would, but absolutely not. Even then there's this part of me that's like, and and I think this movie even somewhat tells you that to a degree. Um, because in a weird way, the beginning of this movie, we see what, I immediately thought to be a race, the race that the last movie sets up at the end, but it wasn't, but they're clearly doing some kind of race and Brian wins. Yes, he does. I think the movies are trying to subtly tell you that Brian is becoming the better driver. Yes, I agree with that. And uh, I just, I think right there, one of the scenes that kind of tells me that is, you know, when Dom drives the car through the burning plane and even though he lands for some reason, he suddenly flips, like he lands (laughs) and drives for a couple feet and then suddenly the car just goes, I was like, okay, what the fuck is the point of that? (laughs) It's just so you can have the scene of, did he make it? Now we see Dom walking out of the fire because he's a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a full confidence. I win. I won. <laughs> this is what winning feels like. It is. Oh man, I can't wait to do dumb edits to all this. I just, I I'm so excited. And yeah, I'm looking I think forward that to that's them. the weird thing is this movie wasn't good to me in the same way that Five was, where I had a fun time the entire time because the movie was fun, <clears> and not because I was poking fun at the movie. Like, yes, we were doing that um with like uh four me and my brother were and it made the, mo- the movie a little bit better but it was not because the movie was making me have fun it was because making fun of the movie had me in, have in a good mood and that's entirely what this movie felt like to me every time that the movie got ridiculous i was just making jokes that made my thought of the movie like when i got, when i think back about watching this movie now I'm going to think about rewinding it and doing the dumb dolphin noise while Vin Diesel like dolphin jumps in the air. That's hilarious. It's yes. a good time. Truly brilliant. So I guess that that's one of the things is not a great movie, but a movie that if you watch it, like if this was a, this seems like a movie you could do a drinking game too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I don't I mean, drink, but th- this seems like the kind of thing for that. This seems like the kind of thing where every time that Shaw does something impossibly, challenging for no reason and it's not explained take a drink and then by the end of the movie when you see vin diesel dolphin jump you're just fucking rolling on the floor <laughs> dying in laughter you know i mean and then you and then directly after you just see Hobbs <laughs> clothesline somebody 15 feet up in the air and suddenly you just laughing about watching dragon ball z in live action <laughs> i think the thing i like uh the best thing you could have on your drinking game is every time Vin Diesel talks in a low, his low voice, so he sounds like he has a frog in his throat. <laughs> yeah. Letty. Doing it for Letty. Yeah. Fuck your information. I already know where Letty is. You didn't need to go to jail and almost die. Thanks, Brian. You know, while we're talking about scenes that I really liked, though also I don't know why in the hell it would happen this way. I do not believe for one minute from the character Stasiak or whatever his name is, Stasiak, yeah, that we yeah. met in four. I don't believe that he would help Brian for one second. Oh, I do. He's. I think he's so opportunistic. He was like, the only reason he helped Brian is because the guy Brian was giving him was the bigger fish. Man, I don't know. I just think that there's a little too much hate that was there. Though I did crack up laughing. This is where, the, again, <laughs> again, of stuff of... Yeah, him busting the <laughs> nose again. And I'm more laughed at, like, he went to the same spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, I mean, it, across the board, it, I liked it and it was funny, but yeah, it's this movie when it's firing on all cylinders, it's probably at best when there's zero action involved and it's just stupid comedy. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like this movie almost is good in the way that you think Twilight's good. But not to the same degree. I'm not trying to say that, but because clearly you think no. Twilight's like one of the best movies ever because it's just over the top to watch. <laughs> yes. I don't think, yeah, I don't think this movie holds a candle to Twilight. No, I, I, but I think that for the same reason, there's an argument to be made that this movie's good for the same type of way that you look at a movie like Twilight and think, oh, yeah, this is good. You have to look at this movie through the right lenses. I think you need to approach it from that way. But if you approach this movie and let it be like, be as open as you can to laughing at it and not being overly serious like the movie tries to push on you, then you can have a good time. I can give you that there might be a way. <laughs> there might be a way for what? For it to be as good as Twilight in that way. I just think there's like, a, this doesn't nail the bad good. I don't think it does. I think it's just kind of bad. This is no the room. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's for the right choice, though. If they suddenly made a movie like The Room in the middle, or like the sixth movie <laughs> in another franchise, I'd be like, I'm so confused. <laughs> Oh, that would be hilarious if they did it and like didn't acknowledge that it was a completely different type of and, movie. And completely leaned into it. Yes, absolutely. Even they changed uh, Brian's it's name to Mark. E- <laughs> get a, oh, hi, Mark. And it's not even about racing at all. It's all about how Dom is upset because Letty's with another man. Like Letty's with Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Letty's with time, Brian. Oh, boy. I was gonna Shaw is Mark instead. That would be the way to tie it in, and then have it to be where like Vin Diesel and Mark, uh, you know, or Dom and Mark in this case Shaw meet, but before he knows who he is, and he's like, "Oh, hey!" and they have like a small friendship going, and then he finds out that Letty's alive and that <laughs> Mark is seeing her, and then it's like you're tearing me apart, Letty. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm envisioning a scene of shaw like doing something and vin diesel snuck into his base or whatever and then he comes out keep in mind shaw's name is mark vin diesel (laughs) comes out of the shadows and just oh hi mark Mark. (laughs) (laughs) and almost like a tongue-in-cheek way where it's like he's doing it like the ha ha never thought you'd see me here exactly (laughs) like the uh the paul rudd uh look at us look at us (laughs) who would have thought you know, it's weird that I think that every time that we're talking about these movies, the most fun I have is when we're kind of talking. <laughs> Negatively. We're, we're kind of going way off the deep end. I mean, yeah. like, see, the thing is, is that the last movie was really fun. And then every conversation that we had that continued was just more fun on the top of an already fun <laughs> movie. This time it's that we're having fun kind of on the back of the movie, like in a, in, in a like we're taking shots at it. <laughs> Right, exactly. That's why we're. In, I'm enjoying the conversation because I don't know. I just don't think this movie's got much going for it. Yeah, going back to brooding Vin Diesel smelling farts is just. <laughs> I I'm upset that that's the way that they chose to go back. Like they thought that that was like the oh yeah that's what we need more. This of. is what they want. I don't know. I I liked more of the alpha male fights like that as goofy as that felt in the last movie still feels more in my mind like i'm cool with that than majority of this movie right i don't want humanized vin diesel i want superhero 
<laughs> I want superhero or dumb primal instincts. <laughs> yeah. I would really like it if in one scene in Fast 9, he just turns around and goes, I am brute. And then <laughs> starts beating the shit out of someone. Oh, my God. You just made me think of a, of a movie. Uh, like, just go super meta with it and have Vin Diesel playing Caesar in a movie <laughs> and then and then just have the scene where he gets you know he gets stabbed in the back <laughs> and he just turns around and goes et tu brute <laughs> <laughs> oh this et is so brute. dumb yeah et tu brute that's so stupid <laughs> oh okay um I think I'm about done talking about this movie and I'm yeah. really interested to see where everyone else, uh, if you have any thoughts on this movie and, and didn't get them out to us, I want to hear them. I'm mainly curious if, if everyone who's pushed on past like, or pushed on past five or four, that's kept watching these, if they like this movie in like a strong real way and not in like a, I like it because of how it sets up seven or I like it because of this part or this part or, or, you know, I, I want to know if it's like a genuine like of the movie on its own. Cause I don't see it, but I'm also right off the uh, hot off the back of five. And I think five <clears throat> is the perfect blend of where, where I thought the series was going. And I think they've taken a step back. So going to see that, but I think we've gotten to the point where it is time to rate the movie yes, and then rank the movie. So Chris, yes. since you are the, uh, the non host this episode, I'm gonna throw it to you. What do you rank? Uh, what do you rate the movie? Uh, I gave it three and a half stars. Three and a half. Okay. From the way you were talking about it, it's a little higher than I thought. That's really? interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not far. I thought you would have given it a three. That's fair. I can see that. Spoiler I alert. Almost did. I gave it a three. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now that those are out of the way, what's your current ranking? And uh, and has it changed at all? And this movie's just suddenly in there, or has anything else flipped around? It actually has changed. So my rating is Tokyo Drift, Fast Five, The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and the Furious Six, Fast and Furious. So three, five, one, two, six, four. Interesting that one has moved up. Yeah, I don't really know why. But when I was I was making my list today, and I was like, I think this one's going up a bit. So, do you think it's maybe because of how the movies moving forward keep tying back to the old one and kind of giving you that a feeling it, of nostalgia toward the old one from the it, new films? It is, but I think it's also a situation where I was more surprised by Too Fast because I expected it to be bad. So it won was, you over by, yeah. by virtue of just being better than you thought. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think Tokyo Drift carries a, a lot of that too? Still, or do you just, or do you still think that separate from that, you think Tokyo Drift is still a great movie? Tokyo Drift is still a great movie. It's the only one that I genuinely would sit and watch again. Agreed. I, I, okay, I take that back. I will absolutely watch Fast Five again. It'd yeah, be I would super too. Fun, but I wouldn't watch it in the same way that I would watch Tokyo Drift. No, like I, I would sit down with popcorn with Tokyo Drift, where I would have Fast Five on in the background and be like, exactly. "Oh, it's it's the safe scene." Exactly, exactly. That's how I feel about it. All right. Uh, so, like I said, I gave it a three, and my updated ranking puts it right above Fast and Furious. So mine is still the same from the other. It's one, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I did it, and if you'll tell me if it's changed, it's one. 
yes. three, okay, five, two, four, or six, and then four. Okay. So, I yeah. do think this is better than four, but I not do. just by a not by. I agree with you that it's not by some kind of big amount. Yeah, it's barely better than four. I hope that this movie feels better to me once I watch seven and it feels like it's set up seven. But I also don't think it's a good thing for a movie to only feel better because it set up another movie. That's like suddenly being like, well, Thor Dark World's a great movie or a better movie because it set up this. I mean, Thor Dark World's end of the day is still just a bad movie. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, Blake. That's actually that I was trying to be a little more vague with it, but (laughs) no, that is why I included it. Full call out. I cannot believe how high he he posted that. It's disgusting. Uh, It's so funny. Blake, we love you. (laughs) Kind of. That's the update. If you want to be around for more of our hot takes in the in the Fast and Furious franchise, which I'm sure has been nothing but that so far, I want to. I'm going to go look and spend a lot of time. I'm not doing it until we're done. I want to spend a lot of time looking at what other people rank these movies and see how far off our rankings are (laughs) from like the general consensus. It's going to be super fun. I I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm like, we'll do that. as like a, even if it's like a posthumous like update episode (laughs) where we look back at the whole series. We definitely should do that. What everyone else thought. Uh, but yeah, that'll be really fun. If you want to watch uh, or hear more of our stuff, you can head to the Discord, which is in our link below, and go to the midweek matinee section of it and talk to us. You can talk about movies, movie news that's coming up, about the episodes we're doing, keep up with announcements of when episodes are coming out. That is in the description below, no matter what podcast service that you are using. Click through, join that. We'd love to have you. You can also use that as a way to ask questions and give remarks in regards to the movies as we're continuing to watch on our road to Fast 9. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek. You can find us on Facebook and whatnot as well. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. See what they think about it uh, and get more people listening. We love to have more interaction. It's a fun time. Makes doing the show a little bit more fun as well. Not that it's not already a good time. There's nothing like talking about people drifting dinosaurs. You know? <laughs> this episode started strong. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you want to join us uh, with that, come find us on any of our social media and reach out and communicate with us. We'd love to have you. Lastly, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we are always thankful for, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month for a number of perks. I'm not going to lie to you. We've been a little off and on with the early access here due to just scheduling and trying to stay up on on uh, basically on schedule so that we can get to Fast 9 without being too far off. And we all have real lives. It's the reality of doing multiple shows and having to edit them. But it's life. We hope you understand. And we appreciate y'all who continue to listen and support us regardless of that. Uh, and we will see you next week. But we like to always close off our shows by thanking our existing patrons. And right now we have Mr. Kyle Grimm. Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Zachary Sawyer, it's his last month, but thank you, Zach, we appreciate you, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean Juan Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warppoint, 
Richard Schaefer and Ham and Egger. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. Have a good one. Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Right, Baba Booey. Something here. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.